Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Bless you. Thank you. Please be seated. You know, um, not very often that I have both my wife and one of our young adults sitting beside me. And this one right here, this middle child, she is a handful. <laughs> my, my picture comes up on the screen, right? She's like, ooh, dad. Ooh. Like, wow. Listen, I am honored to be here today. Good morning, Seas Church. Good morning. Good morning. I am uh, so thankful for the invitation, Pastor J.D. My family, as Pastor J.D. mentioned, and the Swilly family have known each other for five years, and I love the Swilly family. Uh, the kids are growing up. We're getting older. Everybody's getting older. But thank you all for loving my friends. Thank you for loving this church, being part of this church family. Uh, Pastor Ben, our senior pastor at Christ Church, sends his love on behalf of his family and the entire Christ Church family to the C's Church family. Know that you guys, we, we see you as an extension of us, and we, we're thankful for what God is doing here in Murfreesboro. Okay, so let me give you some ground rule. So I love having fun when I'm preaching or teaching. I'm going to do a little bit of both today. I like a good amen, amen. a good hanky in the air. Uh, if, I'm not, if I'm not bringing it, pray for me and say, come on, come on, come on, you know. So, uh, but we should have fun, yes. We should have fun when we're in the house of the Lord. Pastoring is a hard job. Starting a church plant is an even harder job. What is it like? Uh, I like professional bull riding. I like watching it, not doing it. Uh, pastoring is kind of like bull riding, right? Uh, 90% of the time, the bull wins. All you have to do is to stay on for eight seconds. That's what pastoring is like. And sometimes just living safe is like that as well. I want to preach this morning from a topic that I believe God put on my heart for you today. I want to talk about what it means to learn to hear from God. There's a passage of scripture that I want to use for our reading this morning coming from the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 7 through verse 13. And for true transparency, this is actually my first time preaching directly from an iPad. I'm real old school. Normally I have my physical paper Bible uh, with my notes. But I'm trying something different. I just got this new iPad. And so we're going to see how it works, right? Test uh, <laughs> market. There you go. So let's listen to the word of the Lord. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 7 through verse 13. And it reads, And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him, speaking of Elijah, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. 
For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Verse 11. Then he said, God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was, verse 13, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face with his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So I love this story found here in 1 Kings chapter 19. Old Testament, kind of outdated, thousands of years in the past. But there's a lesson that we learn here about learning to hear from God. Let's talk about it. Let me pray first. Prayer is important, right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you have given to us to be our teacher and our guide. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place today. Open our eyes that we might see, our ears that we might hear, and our hearts that we might receive. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here is Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, and he's having this moment that is really very interesting because of who Elijah is and what Elijah has done. Elijah was a prophet. What was the purpose of a prophet? Well, in the Old Testament, a prophet was also called or known as a seer. And they called the prophet a seer because the prophet will reveal to the people what God was saying about the now and about the future. The prophet was God's spokesperson. There was one primary job that the prophet had. I like walking, but I know that I got kind of some boundaries here. Uh, the prophet had one primary job, and that job was to hear from God. If the prophet didn't do anything else but heard from God, he was walking in his purpose and his calling. And Elijah had a stellar resume. If you read a chapter up from chapter 19, this is what you find out about Elijah. God gives him a word. He hears from God and God says, there's not going to be any rain for years. No rain. And you're going to call it into existence. And I'm doing this because of the sin of the king and of the people. So Elijah hears from God. He prophesies that there's going to be a drought and the drought happens. Well, God speaks to Elijah again and tells Elijah, now the drought is going to happen and it's going to affect everyone, even you, even the prophet, even the man that I gave the word to. There's, there's some little sidebars that I'm going to take in this sermon. I'm, I'm a teacher who likes to preach. Okay. So Elijah spoke a word against the nation of a drought, but he wasn't exempt from the effects of the drought, even though he was the man that prophesied the drought. Just because we are God's kids 
And just because we're trying our best to live safe doesn't mean that we are exempt from hardship and trials and challenges in life. They're going to happen to all of us. But God made provision for Elijah. He tells Elijah, Elijah, go to this brook of water and I want you to reside there. I want you to move there for the time being. Because while this drought is happening, the brook is going to provide you water to drink because a drought means there's no water. That's so funny. Come on, guys. Um, so go to the brook. You're going to have water to drink. And I'm going to send ravens to bring you lunch and dinner or breakfast and dinner. They're going to bring you food. I mean, and Elijah goes and God does exactly what he says he's going to do. But the, the story says that the brook, the water dried up. Here's another sidebar. Just because, just because God brings you somewhere, blesses you with one thing, it doesn't mean that that blessing will not end. It doesn't mean that your brook will not dry up. Sometimes we get frustrated because God takes us somewhere. We get there. Things are lovely, but then things become hard. And we wonder, where is God and why did he bring us here? So the brook dries up and God speaks to Elijah again. He tells Elijah, I've got a widow woman who's going to take care of you until the drought is over. So Elijah hears from God and he goes to the widow woman's house. Now, a sidebar to that story is when he gets there, she doesn't have anything to provide him with. She has this little bit of flour, this little bit of, of uh, olive oil, right? And she's going to bake a few little small cakes for her and her son. She's a single mom, right? And, and, and they're going to eat this and they're going to die. But God sends the prophet right when she's fixing her last meal for her to provide for him when she needed someone to provide for her. Sometimes, sidebar, God will ask you out of your lack to provide for someone else's need. This is good teaching, right? And so he goes and she obeys and we know the story. That flour and that oil doesn't run out for the rest of the drought. Now, three years, fast forward three years. God speaks to Elijah again. Elijah, go and tell the king that it's getting ready to rain. Prepare yourself. It's getting ready to rain. After three years of no rain, no provision, God sends Elijah to, to call the rain into existence, and he obeyed. Stellar resume. Oh, one thing I forgot. Before he tells about the rain coming, the widow woman's son dies. She brings him to Elijah, and Elijah raises the boy from the dead. I mean, Elijah has it going on, listening to God, walking in faith. And, oh, by the way, did you know that he battled? He had a contest against 450 prophets of Baal, right? I mean, he, he challenges them. Whoever's God can bring down fire is the true God. And we know the story. One man defeats 450 prophets. I mean, so Elijah has the stellar resume of hearing from God. But in our scripture, chapter 19, Elijah is on the run. He just comes from his greatest victory and he's on the run, hiding in a cave. And God comes to him and asks him, why are you here? What happens when a man of faith or a woman of faith Cowers in fear. 
What changes a prophet who can defeat 450 prophets, raise up a widow's woman's son, prophesy rain is not going to fall, and then prophesy rain is going to fall? How can this mighty man go from being so strong in the Lord, now being a coward in a cave? He heard another voice. Because after his greatest victory, the queen, Jezebel, ever heard of her? Jezebel tells or sends a message to Elijah saying, I'm going to kill you because part of the story is when the 450 prophets of Baal lost. Elijah said, kill them all. Jezebel, those were her prophets. She worshiped Baal. And Jezebel says, I'm going to do to you by tomorrow what you've done to them today. And that was enough to make this man of valor, this prophet of God, run from a woman. Now, I know some strong women. I'm married to a strong woman. So I'm not saying a woman cannot bring fear in a man's heart. I'm not saying that. But it wasn't just the words that that Elijah heard. There was something else going on in his heart. Do you remember what it was? Verse 10 that we were reading earlier, when the Lord asked Jeremiah, what are you doing here? Jeremiah says, it's because the nation has forsaken your covenant. They have torn down your altars. They have killed the prophets, the real prophets, God's prophets. And now I'm the only one left. You ever been there? You ever feel like that you're out here trying to do this thing by yourself? Feels like no other friend or peer or person is trying to do the right thing. You could get ahead if you weren't so righteous. You know, if I could just cuss a little bit, lie a little bit, steal a little bit, but because I'm trying to do right, I'm trying to serve God, I feel like I'm the only one. So it wasn't just the words that Elijah heard. It was what was going on on the inside of him. It was the voice of his own heart speaking to him. Whose voice are you listening today? listening to today? Whose voice are you hearing today? You know, sometimes it can be very hard to hear the voice of God, even if you have a stellar resume, even if you've heard from God before. doesn't matter if you're a preacher, a teacher, or a bootleg, whatever, right? (laughs) Sometimes it's very hard to hear from God. And the Bible tells us that Jeremiah ran away from God's call on his life, and he ended up in a cave. Elijah was running on empty, even though he was doing great things for God. I'm a preacher, pastor, been in church my whole life. Doesn't mean church has been in me my whole life, but I've been in church my whole life. Uh, And, you know, a person can stand up here and preach and teach, and everything can look lovely, look perfect. They, They sound like they wake up just praising God. They go, they're in their sleep. They're just speaking to God, just worshiping God in their sleep. But you know, I could do what I'm doing now and be messed up on the inside. I could be like perfect on the outside and have blinking lights and red and yellow tape all around me on the inside. And that was the challenge and the problem that Elijah had. So how do you hear from God? Elijah was accustomed to hear from God. But he heard from God primarily in dramatic ways, in dramatic moments. You know, there's going to be a drought. Ravens are going to feed you. This widow woman is going to provide for you. 
It's going to rain after three years. I mean, he could hear God for those big theatric moments. You know, when the movie was playing on the screen, he could hear from God. But when it came to his personal moment of fear, he couldn't hear from God. You know, it's easier to hear from God about someone else's problem than it is to hear from God about your problem. Listen to that. It's easier to hear from God when you're on the mountaintop and you're proclaiming what God is going to do than when you are needing God to do something in your own life. And so that is Elijah. He runs from God's call on his life. And sometimes our greatest achievement in public does not equate to great faith in our private lives. Great achievements in public life doesn't always equate to great faith in your private life. Isn't that a good amen? Amen. You know, when I see you here on Sunday in this church, I'm probably seeing the best you, right? The made up you, the you that had to work out some things in the parking lot before you came in you, (laughs) right? I mean, in here, we are kind of controlling our worst nature. We're, We're keeping our worst nature underfoot, right? We're crucifying the old man because once we get out of here today, there's some phone calls we need to make and some people we need to talk to, right? So I'm seeing the best part of you, but that's not all of you. That's a private side of you that God wants to speak into as well. So God in the scripture takes Jeremiah, Jeremiah, takes Elijah. Have I said Jeremiah before? Okay, once before. Yeah, they were both prophets, but we're talking about Elijah today. So God takes Elijah to school in the scripture. He's in the cave, hiding out, fearing for his life. The man who just saw God give him his greatest ministry victory ever. Hiding in a cave, fearing for his life, thinking he's the only one left serving God. And God says, okay, it's time. School is in session. Let me teach you, prophet, a lesson about who I am. A lot of us think we know God, right? But it's not until something really, really sensitive happens that we really know God. Can I get a good amen on that point? You know, it's one thing to say God is a healer, but when you get sick, sick, or a loved one gets deathly sick, and you need God to be the healer that we sing about and talk about, that's different. You know, God is a way maker, but if your bills are being paid, that's easy to say, but when money is funny, and you need God to be a way maker, that's a totally different side of God that you learn about. Uh, when you're dating a person, I'm, I'm coming down your lane. When you're dating a person, you know some things about them, but when you marry them or move in with them and stay there for a while, you learn some other things that their feet smell, their breath is stinky in the morning, you know, all that stuff that is just life, right? And some things we don't know about God until we have these personal dramas, issues in our lives. So God takes Elijah to school. What does he do? Verse 11 and 12 tells us, God says, come out of the cave. Look at your neighbor, either side, and say, come out of the cave. 
You know, in this, in this room, in this auditorium today, we have people that are in this building, but mentally and spiritually and emotionally, they're, they're somewhere else. Your body is here, but you're checked out. You're somewhere in a cave, somewhere in that solitude, somewhere in that place where you're trying to find safety. You're trying to uh, get away from the potential of being hurt again. You're in your cave, but when God begins to speak to you, he speaks to you in your cave, but he doesn't leave you there. He tells Elijah, come out of the cave because I have something to show you. And what does he show Elijah? He sends these events, these dramatic natural phenomenons, right? He, he sends this wind, a real wind, not this kind of like spiritual, I'm just dreaming about it type thing. No, he sends a real physical wind. You know, there was just a hurricane off the coast of Florida and Georgia, right? I think it's out, you know, in the, in the sea, in the ocean right now. But um, when a real wind hitch, you know, comes in, I mean, a real wind, not just the one that makes you feel good because it's hot outside. But when a wind that can do some damage in your life comes, that's the type of wind that God brought to prove a point to Elijah. So the wind is it, it, the wind comes. It hits the mountain. And when the wind hits the mountain, rocks from the mountain fall off. That's a strong wind. Not just the umbrella on the patio. I mean, it knocks rocks off the mountain. But the Bible says, but God wasn't in the wind. Then an earthquake comes. Things start shaking on the mountain, which is not a comfortable place to be when the earth starts shaking. But the Bible says that even in the earthquake, God wasn't in it. And after the earthquake, God gave another example. Fire came down. I mean, a God fire. Wow. You know, a, a, a God moment. But God wasn't in the fire. Now, help me to play this out in my mind. God wasn't in the wind. Dramatic, forceful. He wasn't in the earthquake. Makes you nervous. He wasn't in the fire that can consume and burn and hurt. God wasn't in any of those big natural events. But after the wind, after the earthquake, after the fire, there was a voice and not any kind of voice. The scripture says that it was a still, small voice. Now, adjectives make a difference, right? Adjectives. Yes. Everyone, okay. Yes. Those, <laughs> those words in a sentence that come before a noun that gives color to the noun. Like um, a fine wife. A beautiful wife. Now, be, okay, being a, being a wife is one thing, but being a beautiful, fine, loving, godly wife, Right? Being, being, being a good husband, a great father, not just a preacher, but a good preacher. I mean, adjectives, adjectives make a difference, right? <laughs> but the Lord wasn't in any of those things, but he was in the still, small voice. 
How often do we look for God in big things? How often do we want God to show up in big ways? But there's a lesson to be learned here in 1 Kings chapter 19 in the story of Elijah. God shows up, some translations say, not a still small voice, but a whisper. God showed up not in the wind, not in the earthquake, not in the fire, but he showed up in a whisper. Don't miss that. You know what a whisper is, right? A whisper is that thing that you don't want everyone to hear. Whisper is that thing that is shared between people who are very close to each other. A whisper is a secret. It's a, it's a secret promise. You know, it's like one of those things that, you know, you, you, you can't say when the kids are around. <laughs> you can't say when the, when the pastor is around, right? You, you, you can't say when sister so-and-so and mom and dad and, 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 mom, and nana and everybody. You know, some things you whisper. God speaks in whispers. And he used these three examples of natural um, phenomenons to illustrate to the prophet who should have known how God speaks. But he was taking him to school. Every now and then, you need to take another class. Keeps your mind pliable, right? Some of us, you know, we graduated. It's been decades. Some of us need to pick up a book or take an online course. And I'm preaching to the choir now. Um, but we need to keep ourselves young and our minds open to God. And so God speaks, but to hear a whisper, two things you must do. To hear a whisper, you have to lean in. You know, if I kind of quiet my voice, either you're going to fall asleep or you're going to lean in. <laughs> Some of y'all already asleep. Wake up. Wake up. Go to sleep when you go home. <laughs> to hear a whisper, God speaks in whispers, you have to lean in. Secondly, to hear a whisper, you have to quiet the noise that is around you. And you know, it's hard for us to live and to be okay with quietness. Some of us, we have to have things playing in the background all the time. I mean, you have to have the TV on or some music playing, or your phone out. And I'm the biggest uh, criminal when it comes to that. I like having kind of that white noise going on. I, I like having stuff happening around me. Makes me, lets me know I'm still alive, right? But to hear the whispers of God, you have to lean in, and you have to quiet the noise around you. We're uncomfortable with the voices of our conscience. Because when you're quiet, that's when the voices come out, right? When you're quiet, and I'm not talking about being kind of like a mentally imbalanced. I'm not talking about that, right? That, that may be your case. But when you're quiet, that's when the voices come out. That's when uh, the, the memories of the past come out when you're quiet. Many of us don't like the quiet because we've got so much noise that comes, turns up in the volume when we're quiet. So we like noise because it reminds us that we still have things left undone, things that we should be doing that we are not doing and the things that we are doing that we should not be doing. And sometimes the voices come out when we're quiet. 
But we need to learn to be okay with the quiet because God speaks in whispers. Here's something that we find in Psalm 46, verse 10. And this is the last scripture that I'm going to share with you today. Learning how to hear from God. God speaks in whispers. Listen to what Psalm 46, verse 10 says. I think that may may be coming up on the screen. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Let's read that again. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. May I ask you, who's speaking in this verse? Who, who, who's the voice that is being heard in verse 10 of Psalm 46? Come on, come on, guys, participate with me. Come on, give me something now. God is speaking. And if you read the whole chapter, a lot of drama is happening, wars and, and fights and, you know, needing God to help us win the battle. If you read Psalm 46 before you get to verse 10, it, it sets the stage for what God says in verse 10. God tells them in verse 10 to be still because in verses 1 through 9, they are not being still. They've got hell going on around them and they're trying to fix it. You know, we are fixers because we don't like hell. We don't like drama. So we want to fix drama, right? Is that, am I too strong? Okay, because I said hell, drama, right? We want to fix the, I mean, when your marriage is jacked up, you want to fix it. When, when your business is jacked, you, you all know what jacked up means. Okay, I'm just asking. You know, when you're on the side of the road and you're, you got a flat tire and you have to jack up your car? Right, okay. Um, you know, when, when, when your kids are like out in the world and you're praying or your grandkids and you're praying for them or, some, you know, someone is sick, you know, when life is hard, you know, you, we, we're, we're trying to figure out where is God? You know, how can I get God to, to move? And so God says, be still. And know that I am God. Let me, let me get, deal with the second part first and I'll come back to the first part. Be still because there's something you need to know. You see that in that verse. God says, be still and you got to have these two things together like peanut butter and jelly. Be still and know that I am God. Do you know there are some characteristics about God that you will never know unless you learn to be still? Let me say that again. You think you know God. I've been saved 20 years, 30 years, five minutes. Right? You think, we think we know God. But how many can testify as soon as you think you have God pinpointed, he moves on you, right? He's bigger than we can imagine. Omniscient. Omnipotent. Right? I mean, he's all those things. But he says, if you want to know me, know that I am God. I'm sovereign. I can fix it. I can work it out. To know that, you need to be still. How many want to know God? Amen. I do. Because I think I know him, but I know I don't know him completely. 
I know that I still have room to grow. There's still parts of his character and his love and his provision that he wants to show me. And I want all that God has in store for me. So, Lord, help me to know you. And he tells me if I want to know him, I have to be still. What does it mean to be still? Stop. Be quiet. Slow down. Take your hands off the wheel. You know, carry. Jesus, take the wheel. You know, that's, that's biblical, right? Be still. He's like, how did, that, how did Carrie get the scripture verse for that song? Well, I don't know, but, you know, Psalm 46 and 10 is a good one. Be still and know. Take your hand off the wheel, right? Because, like, if, you, if you're driving down, what's this main road? 96. <laughs> and you take, you're, I mean, you're moving and you take your hand off the handlebars of the wheel. You better, God better step in, right? For your sake and the people beside you. So God says, if you want to know me, be still. And that word be still simply means, as we were saying, to stop striving, to let go, to relax. But did you see something else in that verse as we're concluding here? He says, be still. It's not just an act of doing. It's an act of being. Not just an act of doing, but an act of being. We have this New Testament passage that we call the be attitude. And it's not just talking about what we do, but who we become. On the inside of our hearts, in our personal life, as well as our, our public life, God wants us to have the spirit of stillness where we allow the worry, the fear, the stress of life to all be brought up, you know, and laid bare for recognizing if I could have, if I could fix it, I would have not have messed it up. But the fact is that even on my best day, I still don't have it all together. Elijah's story should help us should give us some sense of uh, comfort in knowing that if a prophet can miss God after his greatest victory, I need to give myself some grace when I miss God. And I need to learn to give others grace when they miss God. The battle is not ours, but it's the Lord. Could you stand with me, please? I, I do believe that the message that I shared today was a message that God wanted me to speak on today at Seas Church. Now, some of you all I do know, some, but the majority I don't know. I don't know what yesterday or this week or what the rest of today or this coming week has in store for you. I don't know if you're on top of the mountain with your feet hanging off on top of the world or if you're experiencing the lowest, the lowest valley that you have ever experienced in your whole life. It doesn't, yeah, it, 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 
Now listen, I know this is kind of like just easy to say. It, it doesn't matter, right? If you're on the mountain or in the valley, unless you're in the valley. Right? You know, yeah, you know, God is good. Easy to say, tougher to live out and to believe. But God is good. And God sees you and sees me exactly where we are today. And he loves you big time. With all of your flaws and jagged edges, he loves you big time. And when we mess up and run into our caves, he doesn't give up on us. He finds us. He knows all of our hiding places, right? God knows all of our excuses because he made us. But he yet loves us and he pursues us. So would you close your eyes, please? And just in a moment of silence, I want you to be reminded that God loves you. And even now, his spirit is coming into your heart almost as though someone is putting a warm or a cool blanket over your shoulder. And he just wants you to know that he's here. And would you listen to him for just a moment? be afraid of the silence. You know, God always answers prayer. And normally he answers it in three ways. Yes. No. not yet he always answers prayer but sometimes it's a yes sometimes a no and sometimes not yet what is he speaking to you today about those things that are dearest to your heart thanks for listening Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. 
Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.